front lines. Men on the front lines. Men on the front lines. Men on the front lines. We call for these mighty men of valor. The Lord put a vision in my heart for a new movement amongst men in the body of Christ. The Lord says that I'm going to make champions out of those who would gather unto me. And I believe what men on the front lines will do. And I see it going into the nations. He's going to raise the bar among men. It's time for heroes to arise. I'm Robert Hodgkin, and this is Heroes Arise, Men on the Frontline social media broadcast, equipping, encouraging, and empowering you to arise as the hero, warrior, and champion that God created you to be. You matter, you are important, and you've got a key role to play for the kingdom in the earth. So thank you so much for joining me again this week so we can continue to pour into you. And what we're going to be talking about this week is an important topic. As many of you recall, at the end of last year, I received a prophetic word for the body and for all of you as our viewers about how we were coming into a time of graduations, new beginnings, and paths clearly defined. And we talked about how that meant God was going to be moving many of us, some geographically, but many of us from one position to another position, that doors would be opening, that we'd be coming into new mantles, new assignments, new seasons. You know, we get those kind of words and they're exciting. We get those kind of words and we start to dream. What could this look like? What this is going to be like? But you know, we see example after example in scripture that when God invites someone to come on a walk with him, whether it's the Israelites across the desert, whether it's the, the disciples with Jesus, he will share about what we're coming into, but it almost never happens the way they think it's going to happen. And that's when we can get into some challenges. So this week, I've got a special guest who is actually living this out and is going to be sharing wisdom with us because we're going to talk about how to navigate into the new. How do we know when it's really God's leading? How do we know when it's really time to shift from one season to another season or one position to another position or one assignment to another assignment? And how do we stay encouraged when challenges come along the way? But just before we get into all that, I've got two quick announcements for you. First of all, I wanna let you know, as you can probably tell from my backdrop, I'm not in my usual place. I'm not getting to do this from my little home office where we've got the sound panels and my really good microphone. So we're working with the AirBuds this week, and I hope the sound is okay for you guys watching my video and also listening to the podcast. But um, I didn't want to miss a week with you, and I really didn't want you to miss the chance to hear from our special guest as he shares his wisdom. And then the other announcement I have for you is the usual. Uh, no matter what you're watching on, be sure to like, share, and subscribe. Remember, you're our marketing department. We do all this for free. We get all the content out there for free. And the more you like, the more you share, the more you subscribe, the more you leave those five-star reviews, the more it helps us. And please be sure to subscribe to the Robert Hodgkin YouTube and Rumble channels, because then not only are you notified whenever new content comes up, whether it's Heroes Arise or Word Up or God's Top Five or Ask Robert or any of the other content we're doing, you'll get that instant notification. But the other thing that's great there is nothing ever gets pushed down the feed like in Facebook Live. 
and you can go and you can search the playlist, you can search topics. And now there are hundreds and hundreds of videos, all for free, all for you. So please do me a favor, go and subscribe to those channels. And of course, subscribe to the podcast. Whatever your podcast platform of choice is, Heroes Arise is probably there. So search for it, subscribe to it, and take us with you wherever you go. All right, with that in mind, I want to bring in my special guest and my dear friend, Alan Cook. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Robert, it's a privilege to be with you. And first thing for you, kudos to all the, the work that you're doing with men on the front lines. Thank you, and, my uh, friend. Well, you're doing a great job. You really are. And I don't know if you even knew this. I don't know if I've ever told you this. Men on the front lines has been on my heart for, for years. When uh, women on the front lines started out, uh, my our, our mutual dear friend, James Gall, yes. uh, he was talking to me one day about men on the front lines. My wife has children on the front lines, but he was talking about uh, doing something with men. And we started to sew into men in the front lines before this was even um, before it was even official. So we sewed into it for several years. So uh, uh, it's exciting for me that to, to be a part of something that we've sewed into for years. And so. you are, you are a dear and valued member of the Men on the Front Lines family. And I know I've, I've sought your counsel on things and obviously James's who, as you said, he's a, he's a father of this and we love yeah. him and we honor him. We've worked, you and I have worked together in Cambodia doing uh, Heroes Arise meetings and Men on the Front Lines meetings for the, the men over there. I'm so grateful to be able to connect with you again and share you with our audience again because of all that you do and all that you carry. And also because you're living out what we're talking about this week. And that's really why I wanted to share you with the audience because after, after many, many years, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, but after many decades, several decades of leading Christ's triumphant church along with your wonderful wife, Carol, you knew, you heard from God, you both had heard from God that it was a time for a transition season and to come into something new and to start cook ministries. And, and I want to kind of, I want to kind of talk about what you guys have experienced since you, since you made that decision, but start with, first of all, how did you know that it was time to transition? Because many would say after decades of successful and fruitful ministry and serving God as the leaders of a really powerful and anointed church, you know, how did you know you weren't done, let alone um, to shift into something new? How did the call come? How did the clarity come? Well, first of all, as far as uh, the call, how we knew, years ago, I'll tell you this, years ago, I had a, uh, had a little, uh, I had a little mark on my hand, and I scraped it, and all of a sudden, this mark began to appear on my hand, and it spread, and actually spread over to both hands. And uh, I was uh, went to a doctor. He says, nothing to be alarmed at. It'll go away. Well, it didn't go away. It stayed that way for quite some time. And I was at a friend of mine's church. They were having this meeting, didn't know what the meeting, the speaker was going to speak about. But uh, I was worshiping, had my hands up, and I looked at my hand, and it said, ah, Marked for ministry. Ha, ha, ha. You know, I'm marked for ministry. Well, anyway, 30 minutes later, this old man of God gets up, and I can't even remember his name now, but he begins to speak about Cain and Abel. I'm thinking, I'm going to hear another wonderful message on, on Abel. Well, he starts talking about Cain. 
And then he starts talking about the mark on Cain and how we are marked for ministry. And I was literally, Robert, I was undone. I was on my face. I cried a puddle on the floor. But uh, anyway, it was um, a reaffirmation that I am called to ministry. And no matter whether it's in the church, whether it's in another vehicle, some other, man, some other means, I am I'm marked for ministry. And I can't get away from that. And I don't want to get away from that. So far as the 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 calling, uh, I, I've known that uh, it's it's no matter what I do, I am marked for ministry. And so uh, years ago, I was uh, pastoring. I, I pastored three church churches, and you mentioned uh, years in ministry. It's been almost four, it was almost wow. four decades. 39 and a half years. I was a pastor for 39 and a half years. And some people wonder why, wonder why, why didn't you gut it out? Why didn't you make it to 40? And there's a real reason for that because I heard from God on when it was time to transition. But um, years ago, when I was in the very first church, things were going, it was difficult. There were some things going on. And um, one, uh, I went to see, uh, get some counsel from a guy. And uh, he asked me three pertinent questions. Number one, he says, what are you called to do? And I, at that time, could answer. And I think that's probably one of the most important decisions, not the most important decision, one of the most important realizations that any of us can come to is what are we really called to do? And uh, I answered him that time, I'm called pastor. The second question he asked me was, what are you, uh, are you are you ready to do it and with some reluctance i said yes and the third thing he asked me is where are you called to and that's when i began to understand that not only is there a vocational calling but there's a locational calling mm. that brings us to certain locations and uh so uh your your first thing that you said uh pertaining to what do you how do you come to the realization of your call something to that effect that's been there for decades. Now, I pastored a church for 39 and a half years. Um, somewhere about the 33-year-old, 33 mark, I was really, Carol and I were talking about succession because I did not want what I'd labored for, what I poured into, what I knew that God had, his hand had been on me. I didn't want it just to, to end. I knew that God had something for that. And so I started really thinking about praying about succession. Who was going to take my place? Because I knew I wasn't going to be doing it forever. I felt like some of the grace was beginning to wear off. And uh, when the grace wears off, things that were just so easy for us in the past, they become difficult, all that kind of thing. And so the, some of the things just weren't as enjoyable to me as they were at one time. So we were praying about the whole succession thing. And um, I um, got a phone call from my daughter during this time. And uh, her and her husband were uh, youth pastors at a church in, in Texas. So I'm in the Kansas City area, metro area, Kansas City. By the way, it's 50-some degrees here. I don't know what it is down in Phoenix right now. What are you guys? 
You know, I didn't check, but we're in that season where it's going to be mid 80s to, to low 90s. We're not in the crazy heat yet. It's still it's still nice. Well, my wife's comfort zone has been violated. She's in the 50s and she, she likes it in the 80s. She likes it where you guys are. But anyway, I got a phone call from my daughter. And uh, we had thought about, you know, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could work with Jonathan, my son-in-law? But we just didn't think he'd be interested in that, that um, our, a, a church like ours. And so um, anyway, she called me. She says, Dad, I got a question for you. And I said, sure, honey, what's that? She says, no, Dad, I have a question for you. So I knew whatever was coming up, it was a serious question. Yeah. And her comment was, would you ever consider having Jonathan work for you? And I, I, I was spontaneous. I just said, ah, it'd be a dream come true. And uh, so we... It's, first just over the phone started talking then we got together i met with the leadership we all felt it was a god deal and uh I, again it's a succession thing and uh one day i was getting ready to go to my office early in the morning i was going to meet a guy at 6 a.m and uh got up took a shower didn't even look at the alarm clock i just uh, got up took a shower I uh, got ready to walk out the door, and I found out I was way too early. So this was really early in the morning. And I'm laying on the couch, just praying. Uh, Bobby, I was doing one of these things. I was praying and uh, kind of whining. Have you ever been there? Um, yeah. Not We're many really of complaining, us, but we call Bobby it Bobby Connor yeah. says, <laughs> hey, we call it praying. God calls it whining. And that's what I was kind of do, uh, doing. And... Um, I just made a, uh, I just asked God a simple question. You know, the, the Bible says that uh, we, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally without reproach. So we got to pull that James 1, 5 thing. So I just asked him something casually, Lord, this thing with Jonathan, is that really you? And I'm looking up the verse right now because uh, I hadn't thought about this until now, but um uh, he spoke a verse to me. I said, Lord, is this really you, this thing with Jonathan being my successor, being a successor for me? And he spoke a verse to me, and it was from 1 Kings 1. This is what he said in 1 Kings 1, 17. And uh, I, I prayed some more and was getting ready to leave, and I thought, well, I better read that verse just, just to uh, see what it says. And when I read the verse, the verse leaped off the page at me. First Kings 1, David is old, and he's already promised Bathsheba that Solomon's going to reign. Well, one of the other sons, uh, Adonijah, was, was trying to uh, usurp the kingdom. Well, uh, Nathan, the prophet, finds out about it. He tells Bathsheba, and the two of them come in. They meet with David, and this is what she says in First Kings 1, 17. And this is a verse that he spoke to me. She said, uh, and she said to him, my Lord, you swore by your Lord, your God, to your maidservant, saying, assuredly, Solomon, your son, shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne. Mm -hmm. I don't have a son. I've got three daughters. Yeah. Two of them are engineers. They design things. They build stuff. The other one is in ministry. I don't have a son, but I have a son-in-law. 
I don't have a throne, but I had an area of responsibility. Yes. I, don't sit, I don't have a kingdom, but I had this calling of God to pastor this church. And the word was, your son Solomon shall sit on your throne and he shall reign in your place. And that confirmed to me the reality of a successor. That he was Alan, let me jump in because I want to make sure our audience catches this because there's such a great key there. You know, first of all, you knew one season was ending. So we'll talk about that in a minute. You knew it was a season uh, that, that, that that a door was closing and it was a successful door, fruitful or a successful season, fruitful season. But God yes, was yes. letting you know that this season was coming to an end. But even in that, what I love and what I want our audience to catch is one of the keys here is, did you hear Alan say he asked God, Lord, is this really you? And you can do that when you're feeling a nudge or you're getting the nudge towards a nudge. It's absolutely, absolutely. all right. You don't have to hyper-spiritualize this and think, well, if I haven't had an open-eyed vision, an angel hasn't showed up with a scroll, is it really God? Ask if it's really God. And the other thing I love about what Alan just shared is not only did he model to us, you know, you ask God, is this really you? Is this, because we don't want to give place to presumption. We don't want to give place to works. We don't want to give place to the righteous live by faith, not by feelings. Now, I also want you to hear something else important Alan said. He could tell the grace lifted. Here's one of the challenges. We don't live by our feelings. We don't live by our feelings. And yet sometimes what we're feeling and sensing will be an indication of a shift of the season. And he was saying he knew the grace had lifted. What used to be fun, what used to be exciting, what used to be easy wasn't anymore. And it's not like for a week or two weeks, he could tell something had changed in this assignment. So God, is this really you? I'm sensing a shift. Is it really you? And then he got the confirmation through a scripture. I want you to catch that. It's, it's, you're going to start sensing, but it's really important that you say to God or ask God or cry out to God, whatever your version is, it's okay to be like Gideon and put out a fleece. Because if it's God, he will confirm. And if you need multiple confirmations, he didn't just do it for Gideon once, he did it twice. And then he continued to yeah. lead him with words yeah. and, and, and indications of, okay, go down into the enemy's camp. So, you don't have to figure all this out on your own. It's the beauty of our relationship with God. He's right there. He can't wait to answer. All right, so Alan, back to you. I just wanted to make sure they caught those keys of sensing a shift by the grace lifting, asking God for confirmation, and then waiting until you received it. Yeah, uh, and uh, thank you. You said it so much more eloquently than I did. Thanks, uh, and and that really is true. When you got the grace of God on you, Superman, you can leap long, you can leap tall buildings in a single bound. You, the things come so easily for you, but then they were beginning to be labored. That's what it. That's when I began sensing that uh, hey, this thing is beginning to end. Now, the deal was, for me, it was five years before that all took about, came about. And then we had to work out the transition. The transition thing is, it, it, can, be, um, it can be hard, it can be easy, but it is such a pivotal time what happens in transition. Uh, 
You know, I'm, I believe this, Robert, that there are so many people watching this today, and they're going through all sorts of transitions. The transitions could be a job transition. It could be a change in marital stance, status. They've been single. Now they, they, they feel something stirred on the inside. I would like a, I would like a wife. Uh, it could be a whole host of different things. It could be selling your house. It could be buying a house. It, there's all sorts of transitions that are going on. At the beginning of this year, um, I was, uh, we do a Facebook post every uh, Sunday morning, 7 a.m. We do this Facebook post and uh, on Cook Ministries, cookministries.org, check it out sometime. I'd, I'd love to have you just check that out. But it's either myself or my wife or the two of us uh, that, that just share some things. And uh, at the beginning of the year, I was just stirred with 1 Timothy 1.18. 1 Timothy 1.18 says, uh, This charge I commit to you, my son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you wage good warfare. And I was thinking about this and how we've got to really wage, we want to go after what God's spoken. If he's spoken something to you, you go after it with everything that's inside of you, with your efforts, with your faith, with, with your, your vision, go after it. But uh, I was thinking, wow, there's some people who's going to, somebody who's going to see this and they don't have a prophetic word. Mm. And so the prophetic word, I, I, I just said, Lord, uh, give me a word for these people. And uh, so uh, that first week, I, uh, I said that there's some of you don't have a prophetic word. I've got a word for you. This is a year of open doors. And I didn't even know it, that that's what the prophetic voices were saying. Uh, Patricia, James Gall, Anna Werner, a bunch of them were saying the exact same thing. And they were using Isaiah 22, 22. What a wonderful verse. It's talking about authority, key of David's on their shoulder, that he'll close a door, excuse me, he'll open a door nobody can close, and he'll close a door nobody can open. You know, you think about it, Robert, that is a verse of transition because one season is closing for you, and the new season up ahead is opening for you. And I don't know about you, before I I want that new door to open in front of me before I even consider closing the door in back of me. And it usually doesn't happen that way because it requires faith on our part. Everything about our relationship with God is, deals with faith. And so oftentimes we have to close that door before the reality of, the totality of that new door opening in front of us is. Alan, let me ask something, because that's a great point, and you're right. I mean, uh, God has blessed me. I'm, it's hard to believe, but I'm coming up on 20 years of walking with God. Wow. And um, I've been very blessed, haven't always liked it, but could look back and realize it was a great blessing. God has almost always blessed me with Abraham-like journeys, where he's made it clear what he's called me to. He's made it clear it's time to step out. And he usually gives me one or two steps. But I actually can't think of anything other than when he called me to Europe and he promised me if I'd say yes, he'd arrange everything. And he did. In 20 years of walking with him and 18 years of full-time ministry, that's the only one time God really set my entire path before me. 
usually it's been this faith walk of a step at a time. Absolutely. Because of that, I know many can relate to that. And it's like, how do we figure out the timing? Because they know they're really sensing that there's a shift coming. And maybe they've done what we've talked about, where they've asked God for confirmation. They've gotten the confirmation. Well, you did all that. And then you said it was five years before the full shift happened. So even if we don't know what the next door is to open it, how do we make sure we don't close that door prematurely, even in zeal of obedience, of wanting to be obedient being, I, I know God, I know God told me, I know God called me, I know God showed me, I don't know what the next step is, but I heard the wise and wonderful Alan Cook say, we often have to close the old door before we go to the new door. And that's so true. But how do we do that with wisdom so we don't get ahead of God, even though we often have to step out of the old before the new fully opens? Uh, well, for me, number one, I usually won't close something. I won't be doing things prematurely. I won't be closing a door prematurely. If anything, I'll try to open that, keep that door open way too long. And that's what was beginning to happen with me. Ah. I, I was, um, the, the grace was ending. But you know, Robert, let's face it. I've been pastor for uh, 39 and a half years and, and uh, the income was coming in from that. And that wasn't the re only reason for doing it, but that is a safeguard for us. I didn't know when I went through that new door, what was going to finances are going to be like, what were the opportunities that are going to be available and stuff like that. I didn't know about some of those. So, you know, five years previous, you hear this word that he is a that my son-in-law is a successor, and that's all wonderful. But as years begin to wind down and those days begin to get closer, and you're sensing it more and more and more, it becomes more and more unsettled, and you want to hang on to what has been successful in the past. Hey, can I give you an example about that? I just thought of this one. Yes. Um, in one of my, my favorite king in the Old Testament, it's not King David, I love King David, but my favorite king in the Old Testament is Josiah. He was, uh, what it says about him in 2 Kings, it says that no one turned to the Lord with all their heart like Josiah. So that, I mean, think about who that was. That means, uh, that means King David, that means Hezekiah, that means, uh, there's a Asa, nobody turned to the Lord with all their heart like Josiah did. Wow. And he was eight years old when he became king. I remember he was 16 years old when he began seeking after God. Somewhere in the 20s, uh, they're cleaning out the temple, and they find a book of the law. He, they didn't even know about the book of the law. They dust the thing off. They read it. He is just undone. He rips his clothes uh, fast, initiates a... Uh, uh, the, the Passover again that hadn't been for years. One of the things he does was he goes up to Bethel. I just remember this one. He goes up to Bethel. When he gets there, they're tearing down all these altars, and they see this one uh, monument over here, and he says, who's that? And he says, well, they start telling him this was this one man who prophesied that a man, Josiah by name, would come and do the exact things that you're doing. So Josiah had, he's tearing down his altar, and then he finds out that what he's doing, even his name's been prophesied 
phenomenal things. He instituted a uh, Old Testament national revival that delayed God's judgment coming. Now, the weird thing is, the strange thing is how he died. Hmm. Most people don't even uh, don't think about this, but it says that a, a king, if you can read about it in 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles, King Necho comes, and he's supposed to go fight at Carchemish, and so he's going the shortest distance. He's coming right through Judah. Josiah finds out about it. He's thinking, this can't be God. This is an Egyptian. It doesn't look like God, act like God, smell like God. It can't be God. But the only problem was, it was God. Necho tells him, don't mess with me. I'm on a mission from God. Josiah comes out, comes against him. And the end result was uh, an archer indiscriminately pulls back his, his, uh, uh, his bow hits Josiah, he goes out and dies. It does not sound like the way that he should have been. It should have ended it. But the deal is this. There was a new season coming. Mm -hmm. The old season, he knew how to work in that season. He knew how to do things in that season. Now God was changing things. There was a transition taking place and he didn't negotiate, in that one instance, he didn't wow. negotiate the transition well. We've got to learn how to, when the wind blows, we go with it. When, when the wind changes, we have to go with that change. So th that is a, an absolute huge one. We just have to uh, learn to to sense what God's doing. You're going to ask something. Say yeah, something. I was just going to ask because that's such a good point, but my heart goes out to those who have believed big before or stepped out before or had vision for something before. And maybe it was God, maybe it was them, but you know, we, we're all capable of that. But how can we encourage those people who are sitting there thinking, oh, I want to do that. I thought I've done that and it hasn't worked out. How do I trust that this time it's going to work out? What would you share from your wisdom and your pastor's heart to help encourage those so that they, they do navigate this transition well in this season that they're sensing, but maybe they have a history of it not quite working out the way they thought it would? Well, um, in honesty, it, the transition has not worked the way that I had thought it was going to work. There you was go. it successful? Absolutely, it was successful. It's like, if we do what God's spoken to us to do, it is always successful, no matter how small it is. It is a success. We cannot gauge our, our success on how large the impact is. And I got a feeling that a lot of people who have uh, maybe things haven't worked out the way they wanted to, your footprint is, your impact is a whole lot bigger than your footprint. So don't ever uh, resist the small things. Uh, uh, I, I, I want to tell them one other thing. When I really came to, I was wanting to hold on to the things from the past and not let that door close before I, and, and I didn't want to go into the new door. I was, I was apprehensive about it. I was speaking in Chicago and one night I had a dream. I knew it was a God dream, and in the dream, I was talking to an owner of a, of a ship, 
And now you and I know a lot of times things that have to do with transportation, whether it's a ship, whether it's a car, whether it's a bus, whether it's a train, a lot of those things many times can deal with ministries. Well, anyway, I was looking at this old ship. It was on some huge, looked like telephone poles, and it was kind of cockeyed over on its side. And uh, I was talking to the guy who owned the ship, and I said, I want that ship. Well, uh, apparently we had negotiated the transaction because the next thing I know, I'm in the water. And uh, you know how a ship is, uh, a large vessel at least, they've got the part where the pilot is and it sticks out over the side so they can look down the side of the ship. Well, I was in the pilot house looking down the side of the ship and there was water coming in. And I leaned over, I, went over, I turned over to my side and said to the guy who owned the ship, never saw him, I just heard him. And I said, hey, there's water coming in this thing. And his comment to me was, ah, don't worry about it. It's never sunk before. And I also looked over at the, my side and there was one of my granddaughters climbing up a ladder playing. I looked back again and water was just coming in. I mean, the, the sea level was down here and the water was coming in up here. Physically, uh, uh, physics wise, it wouldn't have made sense. But water was coming in, it was gushing in. The next thing I know, I'm in the water. I woke up from the dream. I prayed about it and I felt like the Lord showed me that that ship was a church that I was pastoring. And if I would choose to attempt to pilot that ship again, it would go down, but listen to the last part of this, Robert, it would have disastrous generational implications. And I was not going to allow something like that. I, I, it just wasn't gonna happen. I was not going to allow it to happen. You know, that's so encouraging, Alan, because God's so good, he's so patient. All he wants is the best for us that he'd That's send right. a dream. And again, I want to encourage the people out there, if you're wrestling, if you're hesitating, if you're not sure, just keep processing through with God. Remember that what we're called to is a walk with God. Remember that Jesus's invitation to, to James and John and Simon and Andrew and to you and to me and to Alan was not come believe in me. He saw they believed that he said, come follow me, come walk with me. I know for me, Alan, that I, for most of my life, I was a destination guy. I was a, you know, I was a project oriented, achieve the project, go on to the next thing, achieve the next thing, very destination oriented. One of the greatest challenges and greatest blessings of my life as a Christian and my relationship with God is he's a God who brings us to the destination, but he's all about the walk. Oh, and, absolutely. And so in this type of season, wow. because I mean... I get this word about all these new things that are coming, all these opportunities. And then last year was such a challenging year for Yuri and I. Our audience knows they were praying for us. I love you. I'm so grateful for you, as is Yuri. But it, it wasn't anything like I expected. But the one thing that has helped me is after so many years of walking with him, I finally I've started to learn the goal ultimately is to walk with him. That's, That's right. the victory is walking with him. And I liked what you said too, about how your, your impact is bigger than your footprint, because we can look at so many things, so many examples in scripture, my personal favorites, the cross, where the people who had been walking with Jesus looked at the cross and because it wasn't what they expected, many of them 
fell away and ran away. They looked out and said, this isn't what I was expecting. This is a defeat. And it actually wasn't a defeat. It was the greatest victory ever. And it was the setup for them to come into everything. So with all that you're sharing and thinking about how the real invitation, the real success, the real destination is the journey. Um, And that's something it's taken me years to embrace, understand, and appreciate. But Jesus meant it when he said, I am the way. So if we're with him, we're on the way, we're in the way, we're with the way, we're going, he's going to get us there. And for those of you out there who are like, maybe my more natural wiring was to be destination oriented, remember, he's the destination. And what he's bringing you into, the season he's bringing you, the door he's bringing you into, the mantle, the assignment, the, the new position, the new house, the new, the, the marriage, the, everything Alan had talked about. For me, what helps me, because I can still get a little, you know, agita, like when's it, when God, when, why God, why, how God, God, all of a sudden I just take a deep breath and I remember, God, you're the destination. This between you and me is the destination. Thank you for the peace to walk it out with you. And I think that'll really help some of you if you're more wired like me to get past, you know, it's a success when when this happens or that happens or this is achieved or that is achieved. The success is when we walk with him. And I'm not downplaying the assignment. I'm not downplaying vision. I love vision. I love casting vision. I love having vision. I love working towards vision. But ultimately, I've also learned that if we don't do all that with the goal being walking with him in it, all of a sudden we can get a little to the left or a little to the right because we're focused on what we think is going to happen as opposed to walking with him into what he's going to bring us into. So, Alan, one other thing I want to I ask, I want to pick your brain on, is we talk about how to encourage people um, um, to make that step, to trust, to follow. But what about when we hit resistance? Um, um, how do we stay encouraged in the midst of resistance? And I don't just mean, of course, there's going to be resistance. But I mean encouraged in the sense of how do we discern resistance that the enemy's sending against us versus signs God's trying to give us for a course correction? Wow, what a great question. Um, I probably would have to think about that more. Uh, I, I just want to comment on, on things yeah. you're talking about. Uh, you, you and I are different in that you're really driven for the future. You see this thing out there and you go for it. Where I was finding myself, and I think there's probably some people who are watching this who are finding themselves if they want to stay back where things were comfortable. They want to go back to Egypt where the leeks and melons were and all of those things. No matter what God had said was ahead of them, they wanted to stay where it was safe. And you know what? Um, um, there is nothing more exciting than getting out of the boat and walking on the water. There is nothing more exciting for it that, than that. What do we do when, uh, when there's opposition? Uh, when I get, I guess I am the type of, of individual, when, when I finally make up my mind, when I see what is out there, I will go full throttle for it. I'll keep on going. I'll keep on battling. I'll keep on knocking on the door. I'll keep on pounding on the door until the door finally opens. And, and uh, I, I guess I, I, in that regard, I, I am relentless in, 
for that. I just got to keep on going. Um, I think that uh, a big thing for me is that uh, I know that what, what God has for us, and you've just said this, what God has out there for us, even though we don't know everything about it, it's going to be, it's new, it's exciting, it's, it's fresh, it's going to bring fulfillment, it's going to bring purpose, people's lives are going to be impacted, and most of all, he's going to be glorified. Uh, I had that dream. I came back from that ministry trip, and it was, it, things changed. It was, it, it was, okay, when do we need to do this? I'd like to wait till September because in September, it was when our church was our 35th year and uh, it was a couple different things. And so we were uh, just um, uh, uh, thinking about, well, we can't do it the first week in September. So this was gonna go on. Can't do it the second week. Uh, let's just do it September 29th. This is September 29th, 2019 is when that the transition literally took place. A couple months after we had made that decision, I had announced it, everything else. I looked at the calendar and guess what it was? Rosh Hashanah. It was uh, new beginnings. Listen, it, it, it was a new beginning for them. That day, I it was a transition going on. It was transitioning to my son-in-law being the senior pastor of that church me no longer being there. And, uh, and uh, that evening, shofars were going to be sounding, and it was new beginnings. It was new beginnings for them. It was new beginnings for Carol and I. I would not go back for anything in the world. Even though I've only tasted a little bit of it, the new is so good. Jesus talked about old wine and new wine. When you taste the new, you won't want to go back to the, no, the, the old. I guess I would encourage you that are uh, in transition, you're doing something. I'd encourage you right now that just take a taste of the new wine because yeah, it yeah. is so good. You won't want to go back to the old. Our focus now, instead of pastoring individual people, our focus now is to help pastor, help lead, give guidance to churches, to pastors. Robert, just uh, uh, a week and a half ago, uh, we were taking this one pastor out for, for uh, lunch, he and his wife. They are new to the pastorate. They are, there's a lot of things they're just trying to understand, try to navigate and things like that. And over lunch, he says, I don't know what else to say, but would you be my mentor? And I was just blown away. First of all, I said, well, what do you mean by mentor? You know, something like that. And we went through a little things. And Carol says, well, what are you going to answer him? And said, I would be absolutely honored. I'd be honored to do that. So being able to, to pour into in a new capacity, it is so fulfilling. What God has in store. You know, how many times we quoted Jeremiah 29, 11, the plans that I have for you are plans for welfare, not for calamity, give you a future and a hope. Those yeah, plans yeah. that he has for us in this thing that he's calling you to is going to be so good. So um, have courage to close the old door, have faith to open the new door 
And I guarantee you, it's going to be a good thing. I know it is because that's just kind of God we serve. Amen. Amen. And hey, in just a minute, I'm going to ask you to share more about where um, all our audience can connect with you, can receive oh. from you. Um, I know you mentioned um, cookministries.org. I just want to make sure everybody knows that's K-O-C-H, Cook Ministries. Um, and I want to encourage you when Alan shares some more um, to connect with him. You may even, as when he said this, told the story about the gentleman who said, will you be my mentor? I could feel hearts leap out there of like, oh, I'd love to have a mentor like that. Well, you can by connecting with Alan and connecting with Carol and watching their live feeds and, 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 and even inviting them in or, or whatever you feel to do, but they're going to be a great resource for you. Um, and just in, in just a minute, I'm going to have them share more about that and have them pray for you. But one last encouragement I want to give you. Um, one of the things I've learned over the years, having been called to many glorious assignments and many seeming to work out great and others having to remember that, you know, we plant, we water. One yeah. thing that's always helped me, especially when I'm wrestling with, you know, you know we, we, we always want to be faithful and serve with excellence and do every and give 100%. But we also want to watch over that we don't get into striving and making something happen according to what we're, our expectations are. And I'll be honest, all these years and everything I've done in ministry, I still wrestle with that balance. But you know what? It's an okay thing. But here's what I always come back to. Genesis 28, 15 is one of my life scriptures. And I, I, I read it and I declare it out of my old 1996 New Living Bible, which says, God declaring to us, I will be with you constantly until I finish bringing you into everything I have promised. It makes me weep because he's so faithful. He's so trustworthy. And he never gets upset. When we move from that, wanting to give him everything, like Alan was saying, he'll give 100%. He'll knock until that door opens. That's what God wants from us. But if we do get into that striving realm where we start thinking, maybe God needs a hand. Maybe we need to call Hagar in here. I always go back into that place where I go back into my rest spot and I say, Lord, I'm wrestling right now, but I know that you are with me. Your promise is constantly with me until you finish bringing me into all that you have promised. So help me realign, reconnect, and recalibrate and reharmonize to where this is about walking with you and not about getting to the destination. You are the destination. You've promised you'll bring me into everything that you have for me. Yeah. I'm going to rest in that. And while I rest in that, I'm going to do and take every step you give me. So I want you to know, again, for those of you who you want to give it your all, it's, it, that's beautiful. We should want to give it our all. But learn from me that in that you can shift into a striving that's going to create an unholy frustration that brings discouragement. And the good news is when you sense that, go to God because he's not upset about it. He just wants to mentor you and teach you. I'm a lot more like Peter than I always wanted to be John the Beloved. I wanted to be Robert the Beloved. And I am because I'm his beloved. But I've learned to love and accept and appreciate to where now Peter's my favorite disciple, probably because I'm a lot like him. And there were things about Peter that I used to think, how can you do that? How? And one day I remember saying to God, Lord, what's the deal with Peter? And he spoke to me. I was in my prayer chair in Montana, Alan. I was a brand new believer. And I said, God, what's the deal with Peter? And the Lord spoke to me and said, be careful. You're a lot like him. 
And I was a new Christian. I was like, oh, man. And then the Lord started to tell me everything he loved and appreciated about Peter. And I went on this journey of learning to love how I'm wired and love how I'm created, but also know that there are things God wants to teach me and mentor me. And part of the process is that. So the last thing I want to encourage you with is the same great God who gives these great, great promises is the same God who designs the great process to bring them into it, bring us into them. And one thing it took me years to discover, but I actually now can rest in is for God, the promise is certain. All of his promises are yes and amen. The beauty, the growth, the maturity, the, the authority that we grow into tends to come from the process and learning to trust him in that process. Yours is going to look different than Alan's. It's going to look different than mine, but that's because God loves you so much. He's designed a personal process to bring you into those beautiful promises. Alan, with that, I want to turn it back over to you. Any last thoughts, but then share again where um, they can connect with you. And then I also uh, want to have you pray for them. Hey, would you do me a favor, though? Quote that verse one more time. That is powerful. In the 1996 New Living, it's Genesis 28, 15. And it's, and let me, let me make sure I'm, I always say it as, I'm going to say it while I look it up, because I've got my Bible right here. I will be with you constantly or continually until I finish bringing you into everything I have for you. Let's see. Wow. I will be with you constantly until I have finished giving you everything I have promised. So I slightly misquoted it, but it's the same meaning that his promises, I will be with you constantly until I finish giving you everything I have promised. And for me in this season, part of that promise is what he's opened, the doors he's opening, he's bringing us into. So I think we can declare it even as until he finishes bringing us into all that he's promised. I'm going to read it out of New King James. This, oh, good. Verse. It says, uh, Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to yes. you. Wow. Woo. Isn't that's that awesome? Verse. That, hey, that's a verse that each one of us could take home. That's the one to put on the refrigerator. That's a refrigerator. A life verse. That's really, really good. It really is. Um, for people who have been disappointed, I was just thinking about this. I have a dear friend. In fact, uh, four weeks ago, I think it was, we just, he, he and I were on a trip to Peru. There was four uh, ministry leaders over in Peru and got to speak at this. It was a wonderful trip. But uh, he's one of my dear friends. Uh, he uh, and his wife, uh, pregnant with their first child, everything was going well. Uh, gosh, she just excited to have the baby's name and all those different things. And um, uh, I still remember I was at a meeting, got a text message from him. Derek is here texting back. Oh, congratulations. I'll call you as soon as this meeting's over. Congratulations. So excited for you. As soon as I got out of the meeting, got him on the phone and said, oh, congratulations. I'm happy. And there was stellar silence on the other end of the phone. And he said, we got a problem. And I said, who's got a problem? The wife or the baby? And he says, it's Derek. And I said, what's, what's going on? And he said, we don't know. I said, where are you at? He was at Children's Mercy Hospital. I turned the car. I went 
to the next exit, turned around, went right over to Children's Mercy. And he had all kinds of issues. Uh, everything was flip-flopped inside of it. What was on the right side was on, what should have been on the right, it should be on the left. And it's not a life-threatening type of thing. Uh, one out of, I don't remember, 800,000 births or a million births, it's like that. But uh, he only had two ventricles instead of, of four. And the long story short is that um, Derek lived about four months and uh, then he died. And there was just, it, my friend's written a book on it. And uh, if you can contact me, um, I'll have them put the, if they'll contact me at Alan, A-L-A-N, at cookministries.org. I'll make sure to get you a copy of that book in some capacity, either digital or a uh, hard copy. But it's Alan at cookministries.org. But uh, there's, it's, it's a phenomenal story about God's providence at work. Uh, it's all about Romans 8.28, that God causes all things to work together for good. And one of the things he said to me later on uh, when we were talking about it, he said, this whole event, one of the things he had, he said it taught me is I not only had to trust God with my past, but I needed to tr trust him for my present and to trust him for my future. And I want to say that to you. If you have failed in some capacity, God is worth trusting him for your future. He will... He, he's there for you, exactly like Rob just read uh, from Genesis 28, 15, that he's going to bring you about, he's going to work inside of you, he's not going to leave you, he's going to bring it about to uh, fulfillment, until everything he's spoken to you, till those things come about. I'm convinced of that. So he, he's worthy of trusting for his past, yes, for our past, our salvation, but for our present and for our future. That's the kind of God we serve. Amen. That's so good, Alan. Thank you. Hey, do me a favor. As, as the Holy Spirit leads, uh, pray for our audience and uh, uh, for grace for the transition, um, grace to trust God or any, any words of knowledge you receive. But just as Holy Spirit leads, please pray for our audience. Father, I do. I pray for him in the name of Jesus. And I pray for your grace. I pray for uh, grace for their transitions. There's all kinds of transitions they're going through. And again, some of them are financial uh, decisions about selling houses, relocation, new jobs. Those are all there. And uh, grace and faith for the transition. Uh, how you end this new this old season, we've heard it said many times, how you end one season determines how you're going to go into the next. And so it's really important how you end this thing. And God wants you to finish well in this last, the, the things that you're doing right now. So, uh, Father, I pray for grace for them and faith for them, wisdom for them. Speak a word to them, Father. You spoke a word to me. You, if you'll speak a word to me, you'll speak it to anyone, Father. So I ask you to speak your word to them. Show them. Remind them. Some of you have gotten the word of the Lord's come to you, and you just need to be reminded of some of those things. So, Lord, put those bring them back memories remind them of what you've already promised them spoken to them declared over them father confirm your calling on their life 
confirm their calling God. Wherever that is, location is, can confirm the vocational calling on their life as well. I thank you for that, Father. Speak to them clearly. I just bless them in the name of your son, Jesus. His name I pray. Amen, amen, amen. Alan, thank you so much. And hey, one more time, share um, where they can connect with you. Um, oh. the, the website, the Facebook stream you guys do every week, all that good stuff. Yeah, uh, Facebook is on cookministries.cookministries uh, on Facebook. Uh, cookministries.org is our, our webpage. Uh, actually, you can go to .com or .org. It'll flip over to the same one. Um, let's see. Uh, we're on uh, 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 Twitter. I think we're on Twitter and some other ones. One of our other guys helps us with those uh, feeds and stuff like that. So you can just look up Cook Ministries on any of those. I did a manual, Robert. I'm just and when is the when is the Facebook live stream or the stream that you guys do each week? You said where, but how about when? Uh, it's on uh, it's on Facebook Cook Ministries at uh, 7 a.m. every Sunday morning. Uh, we usually do it. We do it earlier and we post it at 7 a.m. I uh, don't want to do it at uh, 7 a.m. Central Time. So uh, 6 a.m. Eastern, uh, 9 o'clock Pacific. But um, anyway, we don't want to encroach. We're not trying to take away from any churches. These are just some things that God's been emphasizing us. Lately, we have been talking about gifts of the Spirit. I believe that the gifts of the Spirit are so important right now that we uh, we flow in those. And I put together a manual. It's like this. It's uh, it's a Holy Spirit and gifts and his gifts. Um, it goes through uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It deals with uh, the power gifts, the revelation gifts, the word gifts, and, and how to more effectively flow in them. And uh, some wonderful people endorsed it, people like Patricia King and, and uh, oh gosh, uh, Joan Hunter, um, uh, Cheon, and some other ones, Kevin Bisconi. So uh, they can go to our website and, and uh, pick that up. It's, um, and you can get a digital download there as well. But um, we've been talking about gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about angels coming up real Ooh. soon. And I'm, uh, doing a, I'm doing a webinar on angels this month. That's interesting that angels is a hot topic. You really are. That's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. I'm going to have to tune it. Well, you start yours first so I can tune in and get some. <laughs> I was going to say, you do yours and I'll get, I'll get some notes to see where I, what I wasn't covering. But yeah, yeah, we've been doing these free webinars every single month. Patricia does a month and I do a month. And we just decided this morning, as a matter of fact, there's a thing I've been doing on receiving the ministry of angels. We did a Heroes Arise show on it. So our audience has seen some of it. We're going to, but we're going to expand it. But I just am excited to hear that obviously God is doing something with making us more aware of angels and their ministry. If you guys are starting to talk about that as well. Yeah. Actually this next, this coming Sunday is going to be mother's day. So we're going to do a thing for moms, but after that, we're going to start talking about angels. Right. Are they not ministering spirits sent out to render service for those? You know, I always read that verse, Rob, Hebrews 1. I always read it as ministering to, but it's ministering for us. And mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm very good. We're going to expound a lot on angels. So I, I will. I'll check that out. 
So well, I'm, ex- I'm excited. I always love when I hear really seasoned um, uh, voices receiving the same indication to go in the same direction. It's such a confirmation that God is really highlighting something. Anyways, my wonderful friend, it's good to see you. Please give Carol a big hug. You guys remember Cook Ministries, K-O-C-H ministries.org or .com. That'll be a hub for you to connect with them. You, If you know them, you know the gold they carry and that they impart. If you haven't yet had a chance to connect with them, don't miss that chance because there's so much love. There's so much wisdom. There's so much power. There's so much truth. You will benefit greatly from connecting with their ministry. Alan, thank you, my dear friend. I appreciate you taking the time today. Thank you. You are a blessing in every regard, in every way. Thank you so much. God bless you, my friend. God bless you. And hey, thank all of you for joining us this week as well. As always, it's my privilege. It's my honor. It's my blessing to connect with you and to to pour into you. Um, Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe this video, the Robert Hodgkin YouTube channel, Rumble channel, all the good stuff. Whatever your favorite podcast platform is, please go there and get hold of the uh, uh, Heroes Arise podcast, the Word Up podcast, like, share, subscribe, five-star review. It does something that pleases the algorithm overlords that helps us get word out further and farther to raise up more heroes like you. But uh, other than that, I just want to thank you so much for being with us. Hey, you know we love to create content and ship it to the nations and to you for free. If you happen to be in a position where you want to sew into that, do me a favor. Go to roberthotchkin.com and you can click the, I don't, I can't never remember if it's donate or giving, but click that button and you can give a one-time gift or you can become a monthly partner. Uh, you can do the same at menonthefrontlines.com. Um, we love serving you this way. It truly is our blessing. And we know there's a lot of people who have gone through a lot these last couple of years. We're not going anywhere. We're here for you. But if you happen to be in a position to sow into that, it would be a blessing and we would gratefully receive it. But more than anything, what I want you to know is I'm going to see you back here again next week for another Heroes Arise. Ready for more? Go to roberthotchkin.com for more teachings, more resources, and more information about Robert Hodgkin Ministries and men on the front lines.